All right, greetings and good Monday morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co., the Barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot in the Carolinas, Georgia, or in Tennessee. It's served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, some of the finest bourbon out there. We cannot thank them enough for what they do for our ups and our downs that's for sure uh, if you have not tried the chicken cock challenge make sure you go get you a bottle and then you can post it in our app and uh, we've got gifts coming here pretty soon we've been having to work through a couple of things to get those out but all those who purchase a bottle of chicken cock uh, if you just put the photo up there you will be happy that you did can't thank you enough for supporting them as well it is fantastic stuff i've got plenty around my house and uh, I hope that you do too. JC will be here in just a quick second. We just got off of a very long team meeting this morning so he got a little backed up and had to do something but he'll be in in just a moment. Uh, It is Phil and myself will be joined by John Whittle coming up at 1120 and then at noon today talking ball with our friend Pat DeMarco and we've got some plays to go through with him as well from a video standpoint. He'll tell you what he saw this weekend. Between the hedges as Georgia takes down the Gamecocks 24 to 14. Up next, Phil is Mississippi State at 7:30 under the lights. Keep an eye on the weather. Uh, there is right now, just off of our coast here, a little bit of a disturbance that could be forming later in the week and kind of drifting on shore. It wouldn't be like a hurricane, uh, but it could bring potential weather not only to the coast of Carolina, but inland in the Midlands, and that would be just flat-out perfect because just last week the weather was terrible all day getting ready for the game that night. And uh, we all know that South Carolina hopes to have about 80,000 of us inside of uh, Williams-Brice Stadium pulling them through against the Dogs team that got whipped this weekend by LSU, but they are looking to rebound um, against the Gamecocks. So we'll get to all that throughout the week, but certainly today we'll react to what happened on uh, Saturday afternoon where the Gamecocks had a 14-3 lead at halftime and just couldn't quite hang on. JC is there, but Phil, we'll start with you. Uh, tough, tough draw there uh, towards the end, and uh, Carolina kept it close, but just couldn't get over the hump. 
Yeah, it just you, you, the game couldn't have started any better for you the way you wanted to start fast, you know, score points. It was everything you were looking for. And then just, I mean, you, they get back out of locker rooms at halftime and, and it, it's as if Georgia just woke up and said, hey, we're, we're yeah. Georgia. <laughs> so what are we doing here? And even while that was the case, uh, still had opportunities to win this game at the end. Um, but you're forced into being one dimensional. And when that happens, you're going to get eat up like we saw in the last couple of drives. Yeah, no question. JC, uh, welcome. Welcome back. Yeah, there was a, certainly a few key points in the ball game um, that went Georgia's way that, that obviously them kind of sew it up and, and get the lead, hold on to the lead and kind of escape. Uh, after being down by 11 points, I texted our little group chat during uh, halftime, and I said, "My hunch is Georgia's going to come out and score." You know, Will Muschamp and, and Mike Bobo are pretty elite at making uh, adjustments at halftime, and and defensively, Georgia did that. Offensively, Georgia did that as well. But what was important was if Carolina could respond, even if it wasn't with a touchdown, if even just a field goal to show, "Hey, look, we're not going anywhere." Um, but they made that really difficult on them, and uh, South Carolina made a couple of couple of mistakes here and there. They had 11 penalties total in the game, and um, can't have that on the road. You're going to have a couple, there's no doubt, when you play in a big environment, but but some of those penalties certainly came back to bite them. You had a couple of drop passes here and there that certainly bit them one, very important one on third down. Uh, so there were certainly points in the game where you felt like if they do what they can do here, you know, break that glass, get through it. Oh man, what could we be looking at? But it didn't didn't happen. Yeah, I wrote today. I felt good about the game at halftime. I thought I thought South Carolina was going to win because it Georgia to me looked a lot didn't look like Kirby's Georgia in the first half. It looked like Rick's Georgia. I don't know whether that's because they're running Bobo's offense or or what they say they're running Mockins' offense, but that's Bobo's offense we saw. Um, deep crossing patterns in the passing game. Uh, his adjustments, uh, when he, he adjusts the run game almost very minutely, uh, small, but, but what he'll do, he identifies, uh, like he, he looked at Stone Blatt and said, well, here's what he's doing, so we're going to move the gap and give the running back an option of cutting it to the this other gap. We're going to block it a survey and gave Stone some problems in the second half, obviously. Mike's good at that. Mike does that. He did it at Carolina. He's done it all over the place. Um, but I, I also thought I was going to win the game. I, I was like, this feels like 2019. Uh, and even in the second half when Georgia gives up 17-14 and Carolina's driving to potentially tie the game, I was like, well, it feels like 93. If you remember 93, those that are old enough to care, Carolina was up 17-7. Georgia rallies, goes up 21-17. I think Robert Edwards was their running back then. And then Tannehill drives them down the field, and they win the game at the end on the on one of the most yeah. famous plays in Carolina history. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't meant to be, and it, it was an issue of, you know, Georgia stepping up, and, and they've got a lot of players. Uh, and, and there were three key moments. First key moment was, um, the mistake on the kickoff return. And Shane Beamer said it, Pete Limbo said it, perfect kick for the perfect return setup. The kid from Georgia just made a hell of a play. So that's recruiting. Okay, that's when you have a demon like that on your special teams, 
uh, I say Scott probably, and I, I, I forgive me, I don't know who it was exactly because they didn't have it in the replay uh, stats I looked at this morning. But whoever it is is probably a four-star athlete, highly recruited guy that's, that's out there tra- or, or a walk-on that's just a baller, you know, busting through the coverage, you get it. That happens. I mean, that when you recruit that well, you have depth, and depth uh, makes your special teams uh, really good. Uh, that, that's the key to getting better on special teams a lot is to, to get depth. Um, and so that's recruiting. Well, then there was the mistake on the hold that made it even worse. And, and people can talk about Sanford Stadium all they want. I tend to agree it doesn't get as loud as some places like Auburn or Florida. But that student section end of that, end of that stadium is loud because that's the enclosed end, and it is loud. I mean, I, I've never – understood why Carolina moved their student section out of the enclosed end zone area. Uh, but anyway, that's another discussion. So, um, so that hurt because then Georgia just starts howling at them. You go three and out. You have to stay somewhat conservative down there. Uh, and they did oh. just cause you don't want to turn over. Um, and, uh, and then they score again. Well, so that, that was mistake one mistake two. Uh, and, Beamer made it sound like it was on, on Spencer, and I think it probably was. Uh, you know, you got to when, – when you're there 29 or 31, that's well within Mitch Jeter's distance. Uh, you, you can't – you got to throw that way. You know, you can't – I mean, it's it's like make a couple – if you don't see something, just chunk it. Chunk it through the uprights. Because, uh, you know, they as it stood, they stacked him. And, or sacked him, and it took him out of field goal range. You have to punt and minimum and momentum for Georgia. You know, they, they, they went on a 15-play drive after that. They missed the field goal, but that, that ate six minutes off the clock and, and drug your defense even more. And then the third one was obviously the trade Knox drop. Uh, you know, South Carolina had something going there, and then he drops that pass, and it, it's like momentum – really shifted to the dogs. I would say probably two guys since it was a 10 point in the fourth quarter, you know, late, gosh, I guess there's about three minutes left though. Josh Simon called a big pass for, down to the 22, 19 yards. It was called back because Ja'Kai Moore was holding. Um, <clears throat> so there's another big play and uh, that, that got wiped off the board because of a penalty. So, you know, those were the times where, the, where, where, you know, it wasn't meant to be, so to speak. Uh, it sounds weird to say this in a 24-14 ball game, but I thought the play calling that Dowell Loggins did uh, in the past game was was outstanding. Uh, you know, people want to get on him a little bit. I think most of the people that do are just folks that no matter what he does, they're going to, you know, not like it wasn't a name higher, but man, th- th- those there were receivers running wide open, and I can assure you, those receivers. It's not because Carolina's receiver like twenty nineteen LSU and just winning one on ones against that bunch. I guess Lassiter and Starks and those guys. Uh, that scheme, that scheme, and that Spencer making the right read, and uh, a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, I'll, I'd argue Dowell's play calling was was what allowed him to, to build the lead in the first mm-hmm. half. And, and uh, you're coaching on defense. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: I, you know, Clayton White had his best first half of, in a while. Uh, they were taking risks; those risks were paying off. They were putting pressure on Carson Beck. 
the run defense was still leaky a little bit, but man, Georgia wasn't gashing them, and they tightened up in the red zone. You know, you, you hold them to hold that bunch to a field goal, and Georgia's got really, really, really good receivers too, and they they they, they got them a couple of times in, in the second half, but really. You know, South Carolina's secondary played really well. I thought Nick Emanuori being back was big for that group. Um, Absolutely. Second half, uh, on defense, uh, maybe it's just because Georgia was executing better or whatever, but it seemed like Carolina sat back a little bit and wasn't as aggressive. Uh, What do you say about T.J. Sanders uh, coming out party for him? Uh, I think uh, Jamie and I were talking yesterday about finding answers. Uh, There's your answer, a D-tackle. And uh, our boy, Big Tree Babalade, um, I want to say this. Uh, here's their answer at left tackle. My man did not get – all right, first start, left tackle, tough spot to play, Georgia. It's the Bulldogs. My man yeah. did not give up a sack. He did not I give up a sack. Georgia was able to pressure in the second half because Muschamp started using this delayed – I call it a loop pressure. That's probably not the right term for it. But, like, Michael Williams, who is a very – Guys, y'all want to know what Dylan Stewart's going to look like for Carolina? It's look at look at Michael Williams for Georgia. He's kind of a stand-up outside linebacker in type. They would loop him around on delayed pressure, and 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 that 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 our, the South Carolina's guys up front had trouble picking that up the whole second half. But they they adjust. They weren't necessarily sending the house, but they were they were sending some delayed stuff that really was effective uh, for the Gamecocks. But yeah, I didn't. And look, I'm not. I'm sure there's a good reason why, uh, but I I thought maybe if I had a complaint about coaching at all in the game, uh, it it would be that you know second half defensively that they kind of got away from the things that were working in the first. Maybe Jordan's blocked it. I don't know. I'd have to go look at it. But um, and and Bobby in the chat box mentions they ran out of gas. Yeah, Carolina's defense was getting the time of possession against that that group. I mean. Uh, it was crazy because it looked like uh, after Amarius Mims went out, it like his offensive line actually got better, which <laughs> uh, is crazy. Uh, and then at the end of the game when Georgia's trying to salt it away, and, and credit Carolina, man, uh, Georgia got the ball back up 24-14. I was like, it's over. I canceled my Uber ride twice for my buddy's house because Carolina kept getting the ball back. Only a 10-point game. Uh, and I finally got it uh, there. But um, – that's uh, and Brock Bowers and those guys made plays uh, to salt it away for them. And you know, that would you know, big time players, big time plays, and big time games. You know, that game it was about Georgia, you know, saying, All right, well, we're, we're the two down defending champs, we're gonna go play like champions the second half and take this game. And and they did, South Carolina just did not, uh, did not quite have as as much as as they needed. The good news is, and this is really good news for everybody who's depressed today about a ten point loss to the Bulldogs. The good news is this program is making marked progress. You can pay, this game has not been close in this decade. The twenties, it's not been close. It's only been close like it's only been really that competitive. Uh, twice the year they won and then this year. Uh, 17 in Athens was somewhat competitive. Uh, 16 in Columbia, the Sunday game was somewhat competitive. But, look, it's just, uh, you know, the Gamecocks came to play and came to win against a team that's blown just about everybody it's played completely out 
Um, I mean, the last time Georgia played a Power Five opponent, they beat TCU sixty-five-seven. Uh, and not everybody's back off that team, obviously, but there's enough. Uh, Georgia's got a good young bunch too, and, and they're kind of learning their way as well. Uh, number two, look at the SEC. I mean, every team has warts. Every team has good mo- has had some good moments. I mean, who would have thought Florida would have beaten Tennessee? Uh, you know, Mississippi State got spanked, uh, you know, against LSU. Um, you know, Alabama, my God, that's all I got to say about that. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, uh, Kentucky is very, you know, they've been kind of pedestrian getting through their three cupcakes. Um, you know, Missouri beat Kansas State. I, I like this Missouri team. I think they're pretty good. Um, but, man, they're wide. It's wide open. You know, South Carolina could – Win eleven games, they could go three and nine. I mean, it's that weird of a year. But I tend to think when there's weirdness, it gives uh, it gives a team like South Carolina some opportunity. So we'll see what happens. John Whittle is uh, due up. Is he eleven twenty? Is he in Phil? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Is he eleven twenty or eleven thirty today? I had him in eleven twenty. Just want to make I may sure not that. Have. I just sent him an email. I didn't put a time. So, <laughs> okay. Um, it's John's third- in when he's in. No, I'm just, yeah. it'd probably be 1130. I would imagine. <laughs> it's the uh, third uh, straight year that uh, South Carolina has kind of gotten off to a slow start. And uh, by the time you, you know, get to that third game, fourth game, you, you start to see some, some improvement and they did get some answers this weekend and they there certainly are still some things that they have to work through we all understand that but coming home with Mississippi State at night you know that's that's a heck of an opportunity it's not like there's another road game to be played next week you know JC you get four quarters at home under the lights and um and you you feel like with some of the things that you did well in Athens you can begin to build on that uh, starting here in just a few days so we'll we'll certainly talk about all that but I agree with you I I told you this yesterday I, I think that after that North Carolina game, there were more questions than answers. After this game, I think there are beginning to be more answers than questions, uh, certainly with T.J. Sanders, who I've been talking about for months, um, for months. And, um, and and he finally showed up, big tree. You know, we've talked about Mario Anderson around here, and he probably needs more carries. I think Trevon Ball, you can probably count on the fact that he's going to get more snaps, um, if not be in the starting lineup coming up this weekend, and uh, and so on and so forth. So we'll continue to – kind of dissect the ball game and look ahead to Mississippi State this week. We will also, of course, make our way around the rest of the SEC. JC just pointed out it's, it is a crapshoot. It's, um, it's as strange of a league as we've seen in a long, long time. You know, I, I don't know how good it is. Right now, I just don't think it's that good compared to the rest of the country. But it could end up being better than we think. It's still early, so um, we will, we'll get into some of that. Looking forward to having Pat DeMarco ahead as well at noon and we'll get through some ball plays with him some good and some bad uh, that happened over in the peach state on saturday afternoon but uh, we'll go ahead and step aside for our first break when we return uh, we'll get john whittle here in the next few minutes we'll get his thoughts and more hang tight we're teed up by travelingcountryclub.com it's the coolest course in the carolina coolest club in the carolinas where you can play 45 courses between two states it's about that time of the year where the leaves sure are pretty in the mountains. If you want to play some mountain golf, do it at a discount by signing up for TravelingCountryClub.com. Hang tight. We'll be right back. 
Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course 9 or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Twenty-five here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios in West Columbia. Thanks to Matt Vaughn for what he does to dress Williams Bryce Stadium and pretty much everything in between up, looking so nice. If you need anything in the sign industry, it is Sinorama.com. Make sure that you are contacting Matt over there, just over the bridge from downtown. Columbia. John Whittle joining us with the Big Spur.com coming off of this weekend's 24 to 14 loss 
for the Gamecocks in Athens. Uh, John, thanks for joining us. Carolina needs a win over Mississippi State this weekend to get to 500, as we know, uh, after the loss. But you looked up at halftime, and the whole country was wondering what in the world is going on in Athens, especially after guys like Pat McAfee and others said that they'd be sacked 20 times in the game and all these fun little you know, blips that they were throwing out there all over national TV. Carolina came to play. Yeah, sir, certainly. It was a it was a very fun first half for the whole South Carolina community. That's that's for sure. Um, I mean, you couldn't have asked for much better execution offensively. Uh, got off the field some on on third downs, and and uh, I mean, I, I just I thought they couldn't have couldn't have played a much better first half. I, I thought it was phenomenal uh, from from top from top to bottom, coaching staff down to uh, down to trainer and water boy. Yeah, look, man, I, you know, Shane said after the game, many of you didn't expect us to, to, to do what we did today. We did. We, we expected this, um, you know, and he is, that vibe has rubbed off on this program over the last couple of years. It's really, I mean, let's just be honest. It's the third straight year with slow starts out of the gates. I mean, they did beat Eastern Illinois. They did beat Georgia State. Neither one of those teams were as good as North Carolina. Um, to open the last couple of seasons. But, you know, it, it's at least I, I mentioned this yesterday. JC and I were talking on the phone. And I said, you know, I always try to be a little bit more judgmental after you get through eight, 12 quarters of football. Because now you've seen it. You've had chances for freshmen to kind of get themselves figured out. Guys coming off of injury, they kind of start to feel their way around again. You get the chance for offenses to either click or not click. You see what you're going to do with the defense, what changes they're going to make after a game or two. New guys come in, old guys go out, and things of that nature. Um, and and I felt like they did get some answers this weekend. So now after after three weeks of football, John, against a team you should beat in Furman, against a team you shouldn't beat in Georgia, and against a team that you felt like was kind of right where you are in North Carolina, what what would how would you grade this team? How would you describe them? What what are your thoughts on them, and what type of team they are? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a good point. I mean, if you if you take a big picture look at it, you're a quarter of the way through the season. I mean, the the sample size isn't that small anymore. And game three is when I kind of do what you did and and try to take a, a step back and say, okay, where where is everything right now? And you know, I've I've kind of done that a little bit over the weekend, just 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 thinking about it. And offensively, you see uh, you see some really really good, and you see some. I mean, not good. Uh, some things that really need to improve and change if, if South Carolina is going to get to where it wants to go this season. And, and defensively, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I feel like everyone's just playing okay. Uh, there, there's there's room for growth there, and and certainly needs to be growth. And, and special teams just hasn't been phenomenal yet this year, uh, in which you know I. Last year was special for South Carolina, uh, for, from a special team standpoint. You're you're not going to be like that every year. You're not going to be blocking kicks and and, and punts and, and having having guys return return balls for touchdowns all, all the time like like last year. Uh, so la- last year was a, was a little bit different and very unique. Uh, but I expected a little bit more out of out of some of those guys this year. So I, I think there's a lot of room for growth. I think there's been some really good. Uh, but I, I still think that this team isn't close to uh, to where it can be and, and close to its potential. By the way, 
pertaining to the game against the dogs this weekend, the line opened at four and a half. This morning it was bet up to or down to six. And it's drifted back to five. So there's a lot of uncertainty around both these teams that will be playing. So what we we talked about TJ Sanders. That that's kind of obvious. I mean, this is the best a defensive lineman, I think, best game a true tackle has had since probably Javon Kinlaw has been here. I'm I'm trying to think. I know Zach had some nice games last year, but from a stat line standpoint, John, um, it was it was pretty special. Big tree, obviously, clearly a story. He's gonna be a starter moving forward. Trevon Ball is probably going to get in there and, and I would guess uh, become a starter. Um, those are those are those are major storylines that, that we're aware of. Um, what's another storyline maybe that we're we're not talking about enough that's either positively or negatively impacted? Um that's a good question. You know, from, from uh, I'll start kind of on the negative side, and I'll, I'll find a positive one too. But the the first thing that that jumps out to me is just I, I thought the tight ends were going to be much more impactful this year than, than what they've been so far. Uh, you know, Trey Knox hasn't hasn't made the big play yet. I mean, I guess he's made a a couple of plays, but he hasn't made a a, a big play yet. That third down catch would have been a really big play. Uh, the other day, yeah, he had he had a nice catch against North Carolina. That was that was helpful down to set up an early touchdown. But you know, I, I thought both he and Josh Simon were gonna be out there in a bunch of two tight end formations, and and South Carolina would be hitting those guys um, a, a bit more, a lot more. And it's it's been mainly one tight end uh, and three wide receivers. Now the wide receivers have played well. It's hard to say that you need to take one of those guys off the field. Um, but I, I, I thought you would see more of both of those guys, and I thought you'd see Josh Simon in more impactful, meaningful moments than what we've seen. He's played a lot of mop-up time, uh, so to speak, versus like actual like meaningful game reps. So he he saw a bunch. Of, he saw most of his action against Furman, or or um, you know late in the game against North Carolina when that game was out of hand. So you know I I just thought that that group would have shown more by now and and not only in a pass catching game but but I, I think that that uh Knox especially has been a little bit inconsistent from a from a blocking standpoint too so um but I, I also think from from a positive standpoint you look at you look at Debo Williams and, and how well he's played at linebacker I think that's been been very welcome um you know the way that Jalen yep. Kilgore has has stepped up at safety and some of the things that they can do as long as they stay healthy from a uh, from a defensive back standpoint, um, I, I think can can certainly be good back there with with uh, him and DQ Smith and Nick, Nicky Manwari. Uh, I think O'Donnell Fortune and, and Marcella Style have, have done okay too, and 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 uh, they've had some other guys pop. So I, I think the secondary is 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 back in in good hands again. I want to get Jay. Uh, well, I was going to yeah, say, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. from what we've got. Uh, you know, the one thing, the, the big glaring thing that everybody is complaining about coming out of the first two games is O-line, 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 right? And then it looked to be this weekend that pretty well could stop tinkering with the left side of this line with the way Big Tree went in and played. I mean, you know, I, I just I think he exceeded everyone's expectations. Uh, and continuity being such a big part of that position group, uh, how much further tinkering do you think we'll see moving forward on the right-hand side of the line? Or do you think within a game or two, we've probably got it done? 
Oh, I, I think you're probably going to see a little bit more of that. You know, it, we'll see how much ball pushes for for that job, and you know, may, maybe it's a maybe it's a start this week. I, I kind of don't think so, but maybe it is. There's a, a week's worth of practice to go. Uh, maybe it's next week. I, I think coming. I think going out after the bye in a couple of weeks it may may be the best opportunity to to get him into the into the rotation. I mean, they or are, are in, into a starting spot. I think he'll be in the rotation. I mean, Shane Beamer uh, said that they they did everything or they did a lot to help out those offensive linemen and in, in Tree in, in particular, you know, in that game with what they were doing from a blocking standpoint. So Tree played awesome. Uh, don't take anything away from him, or I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But you know, they they helped that offensive line as as much as they could. There's going to be times and in, in games where you just can't afford to to necessarily do that all, all the time. So if you have two fre- two true freshmen in there, you know that makes makes things a little bit challenging. But but uh, get get Trevon coached up a little bit more and, and get him in there uh, maybe after the bye week in a starting role. And I think you feel feel better about it. Now, what does that mean, Jakai Moore at right tackle? Um, that's what that's what it would mean for me. I mean, we'll we'll see how that it, right. it ends up playing out, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I think Ball is, is ultimately going to be better than Jakai Moore at guard. Uh, whether it's enough to supplant him right now without Moore moving out the right tackle, I'm not sure. But I, I like I like the idea of Moore at tackle and Ball at guard and, and leaving center in that left side, as you mentioned. Um, you know, re- ready to go in the same. I want to get JC back in and on this tight end conversation real quick here too, uh, John, because I think it's I, I, it's an important conversation to have. I look, we we got to know Trey Knox in the off season. He's an outstanding person. I mean, this guy is going to be unbelievably successful in life. He's got great manners. I mean, he's got all the things you want in a human being. And and quite frankly, when you look at him, you feel like he's got everything you want in a tight end, but. He really hadn't blocked well this year, um, and and then you know dropping that third down uh, catch that hit him in the chest. I mean, went through his hands and hit him in the chest on Saturday. I mean, John, I, m- I mentioned to JC, and I, this is going to sound really harsh. And who the hell am I to make big bold statements like this? But if you can't block and you can't catch, you can't play. And you know, Josh Simon is a guy who he's he's been the best of the tight ends at blocking this year i think his hands have been better than everybody else and i i am a little i I don't understand you know i clearly i mean these guys are around these players every single day they know a thousand more than i do i I don't know the reasoning but it just seems like the snap counts a little off uh, when you when you look at it from a production standpoint what josh simon probably brings to the table right jc i mean you've kind of mentioned some of this too yeah i wrote my notes today on the com that um i mean and look trey Everybody's going to focus on what Trey has not done well, but Trey's also done some things well. I mean, he had several catches the other day, especially early. I mean, one set up a touchdown. I mean, he he he's done some. It's not like he's been absent, you know. But those two are close enough. I mean, to each other, and they always have been. To where you look at forty-eight snaps for Knox and nineteen for Simon, and I felt terrible for Josh. Like, like I mentioned. You know, we've talked about – John did a great piece on when he thought the game turned on the kickoff of the other day. And, you know, I had three more or two more. And I added a third when I was sitting there talking to you guys about it because uh, Josh, 
I guess it was about three minutes ago. It's still a 10 point game. Josh catches a pass. He gets down to the 21 yard line of Georgia, a 19 yard gain. It's come back. Jakai had a holding penalty. Um, I felt bad for him, you know, because that, that, that's the type of thing that could have gotten him going. And, uh, you know, so I, I would like to see those snaps probably a little more even would be my guess uh, if they're going to continue to do that. I mean, just for now. Uh, and I say that saying that I don't think Trey Knox – I think Trey Knox is just going through a a weird period where, uh, you know, things are kind of piled up on him, you know, drop passes, missed blocks, uh, and, and then the penalty. Uh, I don't think that's indicative of what kind of player he's going to be for the rest of the year. I think – you know, there's a difference between somebody like Sidney Fugar, who I think is really struggling, right? And because, you know, and you start question, can he do it? Is he ready to be out there like this? Do they need to make a change? Uh, and then a guy that's just, you know, done some out-of-character execution things and, and, and frankly, just made some mistakes that he normally doesn't always make. So uh, there's a big difference between them two. So uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things where – uh, I, I don't think people need to give up on Trey Knox or start uh, oh, no. bench him or whatever. I, I, I would like to see Simon get more back because to me, those two are very close ability wise. Uh, and so you may as, I mean, shoot, if one guy's not getting it done, he's better play the other guy and let the other guy rest, right? Shoot, you know, so that's a, that's kind of my deal there. So I'd, yeah, I, I would that. like to see more. Uh, and then everybody's asking about Mario Anderson. Uh, and, and I guess we'll talk about it here in a second, but I, uh, I tend to agree they need to give Mario the majority of the carries, especially between the 20s. I, I, I think the carry-on strength is inside the 10, 15-yard line. He sniffs the end zone really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why he leads the team in touchdowns right now. But um, uh, I think Mario, if, if you want to ride back and run the ball down the field, uh, Mario may be your only shot. So, um, you know, I, I'm with that. You everyone on that too. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And and I'll I'll add like snap snap counts evolve to over the course of a game and course of the season. Like we saw Stone Blanton play every snap each of the first two games, and he played at least relatively well uh, both both of those games. I thought, and then Georgia, I, I thought he had a really poor game. And folks are wanting you know to see Pup Howard in there and and uh, you know first half and because Stone wasn't playing well and and you know the coaches recognized that that uh that Stone wasn't playing all that great and you know Puff Howard got 12 snaps in the second half and some of them were good some of them weren't good but they, they got him some time out there to to see what it was like and and uh you know maybe maybe he'll see a little bit more going forward um maybe a little wake up call for Stone uh, maybe a little challenge for him too but you know I I can see it you know happening with with uh, you know Simon and Knox, as JC alluded to, you know maybe uh, maybe uh, getting those snaps a little bit more split. You know I, I thought Simon, uh, you know is as JC noted that catch he had it was in in a meaningful moment, an impactful moment where the game is still on the line and he wasn't really playing those in, in the first two games of the season. So I, I I feel like that's because Knox wasn't playing all that great and hasn't played all that great. So. You know, coaches coaches have some feel over there too. Um, you know, so they'll 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 make some changes and, and things will evolve o- over the course of time. And 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 folks are earning reps in practice. And you know, Shane Beamer made that point last night. Is you know, when somebody asked about the running rotation, listen, you know, we see it. Those and those guys are out there competing every day, and it's wide open. 
So, you know, when, when comments like that start to happen, it makes you think that, uh, that things are, thing, things can evolve a little bit. I, I, I'm hoping that somebody tomorrow and John, maybe it's you will, I, I would like to know more about Mario Anderson because there's more to being a running back as there is with every position in football, but there's more to being a running back than just getting the football and running. You know, there are other things you have to do. You've got to be able to read defenses. You've got to be able to block well. You've got to be able to know when it's time to release and get out into the flat and all these little things. Um, And I'm not saying that he does or doesn't. I have no idea because I'm not in practice every day and I haven't seen this young man do what he does Monday through Friday or I guess Sunday through Friday. Um, But I hope somebody will maybe ask Shane, hey, look, you know, Mario Anderson, when he gets in there, he, he seems to look pretty good. You know, what, what does he need to do to earn more reps? I mean, I think well, that'd he, be a pretty direct question, right? Well, he, he did he did earn a lot more reps this past game. I mean, he was he was the second running back out there, and I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. I, I think he think he uh, had about 24 snaps. Um, no, he had, I'm sorry, he had 16 snaps. Uh, but Shane did did mention yesterday in, or, in the, or last night in the teleconference that, that there were – Run plays for for Mario called R- RPOs, run pass option, obviously, and and uh, Spencer went with the pass and said Spencer made good decisions and in, in doing so. But you know Mario had his had his reps go up a little bit, and the the way that game was was playing out with South Carolina going to basically an entirely passing offense. I mean that that and and to carry on playing most of those snaps, it goes to show me that. They just trust to carry on more out there in pass protection. And if you look at some of South Carolina's best plays and and best protections, you know, to carry on was out there making a good block and making a critical block. So I think that's probably probably more so what it is. I think if you see South Carolina uh, being able to be in position to run the football a little bit more, I, I do think that you're going to see uh, some more Mario Anderson out there, which, which doesn't surprise me based on what we've, what little we've seen of him this year. Um, so I, I, I think that uh, I think that's going to continue to evolve too. And that process started, we just didn't really see some of the fruits of that this past weekend. What about Juju? Not one, not one snap on offense this weekend, guys. What do you do with a kid like that? And, and JC mentioned the post he wrote this morning uh, on, on the big spur. I, I agree with him completely. I, I don't think you need to look at Juju as a as a pecking order type of back. I think you need to look at him more as a, a specialty type of back, and you know have him in for for certain plays. And you know is you know may, maybe you maybe he's one of those guys you just have plays to get the ball to and, and opportunities to get the ball to and, and send him out there. And, and maybe that's not in a, necessarily always in a traditional running back type of role either. Uh, you know maybe he's he's uh, you know split out wide a little bit maybe maybe you do something with him sending in sending him in a, a sweep motion from the wide receiver position handing him off that way there there's i think he's more of a gadget type of guy um based on what we've seen uh, of of him against sec teams i think there are certainly times against some opponents where he can be a great running back i i think against i think in sec play against most sec teams he's he's kind of a specialty back but that's my opinion I, I agree with both of y'all. I, I read what JC wrote. I think he's exactly right. You can do a lot with a kid like that. Yeah, I, I, I think I think all right, people talk about good running back coaching a lot. That seems to be a uh, 
topic of conversation. It has been for a while. Uh, I don't think a lot of people really, quite frankly, understand it because uh, people used to trash Bobby Bentley uh, because of his quote-unquote rotation. And <laughs> almost every game during his tenure, somebody would get hurt and say so they'd have to put in Mondinson, right? I mean, nobody nobody even gave him credit for that, you know. Yeah, I like oh, Mondinson. I know, but you know, if, if Dowdle and Williams are not getting hurt, he's not putting them on, and they, you know. But anyway, I think I think good running back coaches also, and if they can't do it, if they're not capable, then it's up to the OC, right? It's up to the OC to get this done. You know, when you have a bunch of backs who are kind of equal, uh, but and they're kind of really good at different things, you got to figure out how to use them, and and it's hard because. You can't just say, all right, third down, Juju's coming in, and we're going to run the jet sweep because guess no, what? Yeah. Uh, the other team's, got co- other team's got coaches too. And they're like, well, yeah. every time they bring Juju in, they run this jet sweep, and then they'll, they'll, they'll scheme up to it. But uh, so you got, you know, and that's why you'll see from time to time a handoff of Juju up the middle. You know, it keeps people honest. Um, but there are ways, and you watch Georgia the last two years. Um, they were very masterful at this because they had four backs that were all different and they, they rotated them well and they all kind of did different things. Uh, but they disguised it well enough to where, you know, the other defense could keep that. So that's the challenge for Dowell Loggins in the running game right now uh, is you've got to manufacture a run game, but you also got to make sure you're not tipping your hand. Um, there's, like I said, I saw Georgia do it. I've seen Alabama do it. Uh, I know people are, those are the two best teams in the country, but other, there's been other teams with like, uh, this situation at running back where it's just kind of four guys and maybe you want to try them all. They all do, they all have strengths, but they all have weaknesses. Um, and I think the answer there is, you know, like, like I said, we'll agree, but they take Juju off. You can't look at Juju as R1, RB2, RB3. You should have done it last year. Any year, I mean, he's a different back. You know, he's not your starter for a reason. So why would he be? In the hell would he be number two in the, in a traditional sense? Um, I think Anderson needs to get most of the carries between the twenties, um, or you rotate him or whatever. Don't tip it off that it's a passing down when Decarion's in there, and then Decarion's kind of your sniffer near the goal line. He's really good at uh, getting into the end zone when he's down there, a quarterback, running back, wherever. Uh, and then I don't think there's any excuse not to have DJ Braswell at least getting a couple carries a game because, guys, the, the couple of times there are holes, DeCarion goes for about five or six, and if it were Braswell, he'd be the band would be playing because he's fast. DeCarion just doesn't have that kind of speed. So uh, there's got to be ways you can work everybody in. I mean, it's a year where – you know, we can sit there and talk about after the season how inexcusable the situation is at running back. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why that's the case. It's not all NIL. It's not all coaching. It's a mix. Um, but right now, do y'all? Let me ask you, you this: know, Do y'all think right right injury, now you got to make the best best of what you got? Yeah. With the injury to Juice, um, Amarian is coming back from injury. I, I I guess we'll find out tomorrow, but expect to see him on Saturday night. You think there's a chance? This they've been pretty pretty creative over the years of of taking guys and saying, "Hey, look, you can really help us here." I mean, look what Doty's doing. You think there's a chance that I'm not saying they move Juju to wide receiver, but they play him in a role like that where he can do some of the things that Mario and Juice could do out there. 
What do you think, John? Mm, I, I'm not sure that that would be the move I would make. Um, you know, I, I think Amarian may may see a few more snaps outside because of what's going on on at, at that slot position. Because you you've got Luke Doty and and Eddie Lewis out there, and both of those guys have have looked at least pretty good uh, in, in their moments. I, I don't know that there would be enough room for him out there as a as a wide receiver in a general sense. I, I go back to what I said earlier about Juju, and you know maybe have some specialty gadget things designed for him, and uh, that that have him lined up at, at wide receiver. But I, I don't I don't see him out there in a traditional sense, at least this year. Now you're going to have some, you're going to have some movement at that position this off season, obviously. Uh, and, and some guys leave and, you know, you got some, you got a few young guys who you're not really sure what they're all about. So maybe that's more of a, an opportunity next season, but, but right now I'm not sure that that's, that's the move. Okay. All right, John, we'll let you run on this one. Early peak at the ball game this weekend, Gamecocks five point favorites over Mississippi state. The dogs got throttled in Starkville this weekend uh, by LSU. Uh, they do run the football very well. They have the leading rusher in the SEC, and they seemingly are pretty good at stopping the run, but it's a game on both sides. Even with Will Rogers, um, has not been kind to them. This is a, this is a huge game for South Carolina. Uh, you win it, you know, you, you kind of get back on track with a lot of options uh, to do more down the road. If you get beat, you hate to think about it. Yeah, you, you, you get beat and you're you're scrambling a little bit, right? Like mm-hmm. the Tennessee the following week, you know, is is even more daunting, you know. There, but uh, you know, with I, I didn't get to watch a ton of of the Mississippi State LSU game, but it didn't look very good. Uh, the, what I what I did see certainly didn't look very good. They LSU was able to move the ball up and down the field uh, pretty easily and create some big plays. So, you know, Arnett's supposed to be a, a defensive guy. Like, it, it seems they, – they seem like they're a, a completely different team than, than what they what they were, you know, under Leach, obviously. So, I, they're probably still trying to find themselves a little bit. And, you know, it might be a good thing that, that uh, South Carolina has them uh, early in the season. So, uh, you know, it'll be their first road game this this year, this coming weekend. They've, they've played some tough competition, so I don't think that they're going to be be uh, overwhelmed by by the side of, of, of playing South Carolina. They just played LSU. They played Arizona. Uh, but it will be their first road experience uh, after playing their first three at, at Davis-Wade. And, you know, I, I mean, I think South Carolina should, should be able to, uh, as long as they play well, uh, go out and win this Saturday. But, you know, it'll be, it'll be the uh, – Four games into a 12-game season this weekend, I think we'll have a, a really good glimpse of what this South Carolina team is after this weekend. Yeah, I, I think the scary thing is Jaquavius Marks, eight carries, 75 yards against LSU. They still average like uh, – Oh, he runs it well. Care. Yeah. And, He's good. And, and, and the, I sort of knew this was going to happen. But, you know, you take Will Rogers out of an air raid offense, and it's a little bit different story. Um, and so, what I think they're going to do is uh, line up and try to just run it over Carolina and keep the ball out of the hands of Spencer Rattler, because Missouri State's pass defense is abysmal. They're decent against the run statistically. Uh, if Arizona had not thrown four interceptions in that ball game. 
the Wildcats would have won in Starkville, but and, sure. and Widow's right though. Uh, they've played two straight Power Five opponents. They're they're a little battle tested, as are the Gamecocks. And North Carolina, if anybody knows this, the Tar Heels are three and zero, and they uh, they shut Minnesota down pretty good. Um, and so that's gonna be thing. South Carolina has not lost to Mississippi State in twenty five years at Williams Bryce Stadium. Nineteen ninety eight. Remember that, that game, game uh, Mississippi State new kickoff. I got up with a level nine hangover. Nine is a scale of ten. That's bad. I needed to hit the the V8 and vodka morning. Uh, got up. My buddy comes over. He's like, oh, game. Next thing you know, uh, Mississippi State returns to open to kick off 100 yards. It's 100 degrees in Columbia. Brad Scott has them out in all black uniforms. 38 nothing debacle shutout. Uh, and that was the year State won the division, the West. So it's been a while since they've come into Williams-Brice and gotten a win. And it's at night and all that. Uh, I like the matchup for Carolina's offense against their pass defense, but I would be concerned about the run defense. I mean, Carolina's really got to play like they kind of did in the first half against Georgia, man up, uh, and don't let them run it down to your throat, especially at home. And I think Carolina yeah. will win. I'm sorry, Seriously. I just want to monologue there. Good time for T.J. Sanders to kind of maybe break through as the difference maker up front that they that they certainly need. After this state game, by the way, Cox will travel for three of the next four games. So very important ball game under the lights of Williams Price. John, we'll let you run on that note. Uh, looking forward to reading all about it as we always do it, as the week moves along until we get to Saturday once again. Thanks for everything you do, my man. Yeah, appreciate it. Be sure you get the Chief out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Checks in the mail, John. Well done. Well yeah. done. Thanks, appreciate it. Oh, thank you. The great John Whittle with the BigSpur.com. All right, it's 11.55 on this Monday, September the 18th. We'll talk ball with the great Pat DeMarco up next. Right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down in Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. 
Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style, and seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. It's time for Talking Ball with Pat DeMarco on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Part of the Chief Sports Network.
12 o'clock, hour two, Monday, September the 18th, inside the Gamecocks, the show served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and Powered by our friends at Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. The real talent has finally arrived. The great Pat DeMarco joining us for his weekly Talking Ball segment. What's up, man? What's going on, guys? Always great being here on Monday with you guys. Well, we're always happy to talk to you because uh, we learn something every time, and that's what this segment is for. Uh, but first of all, I want to get your general thoughts on the ball game this weekend. I mean, you go down to Athens, play the number one team in the country, and you scare the crap out of them for the first quarter. Um, you know, I'm super proud of how we came out and played. Um, played hard. Uh, you know, losing juice early on definitely didn't help. But um, I was proud to see how they competed and overcame some adversity. Um, got a lot of people involved in the game. Hmm. And – I mean, Spencer Rattler is still playing at an extremely high level. Uh, I know he had two late turnovers, um, which kind of put a damper in how well he's been playing. But golly, I mean, that guy, if he keeps playing like that, you have a chance to win every single football game. Um, So it's, you know, you hate losing to an SEC opponent, especially a rival. Um, But I think there's some good stuff to be encouraged by. Some of the young guys out there playing. The offensive line looked a heck of a lot better. Um. You know, still still a ways to go in the run game. Um, that has to show up. It's a long season if not. Um, but, I mean, defense hold them to 24 points, you know, really make them earn their points too. Um, they got down there in the red zone twice pretty down, pretty easily. Um, held them to field goals. They missed two of them. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to go over here. But, I mean, I was encouraged by how we competed. Yeah, the – Let's start on offense. Uh, you didn't play offensive line, but you were a freshman yeah, I, I at one point was, in time. I basically was an offensive lineman. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, was a, I was an athletic center that got to play five yards behind him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Um, when you're a freshman in this league, it's hard. When you're a freshman in this league getting your first start on the road, it's harder. When you're a freshman in this league getting your first start on the road, as a left tackle against one of the best defensive lines in college football, holy smokes! And Big Tree was something to watch on. He answered Saturday. the bell, man. He answered the bell, and there's so much growth in that. I mean, that kid's obviously talent level is is out of the charts. That's why we recruited him so heavily, and we're thankful to have him on our team. But um, I mean, that's just kind of the that's the surface of how good that kid can be going in there, kind of with a mindset of just, I'm going to go in there and compete. I'm going to give it the best I got into what he grade out 90 or something. I mean, I saw him, was it PFF grading him at 90% or whatever the 90 score is, but he earned freshman honors. And I mean, against a top tier Georgia defensive line, um, and that, that goes to show you, but that's just like kind of the stepping stool of what his growth can be like to be able to do that, that early on, um, and that magnitude of a game, um, like I said, it was very encouraging. Yeah, I, I, uh, it was spectacular. I've got a feeling you're going to see more Travon Ball this week too. So you'll have a pair of freshmen probably out there on the offensive line. On the on the flip side, though, the defensive line, uh, T.J. Sanders has has arrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat, what what makes a great defensive tackle, and what'd you see out of him? Uh, I mean, you got to have a little shit in your neck. Um, I mean, you have to have a little bit of a, a just a dickhead mentality um and tj has that when i was coaching there two years ago tj was on the scout team defensive line and 
about every practice, the offensive line wanted to kill him. Um, he just didn't care. He had one speed, high motor, um, wasn't going to back down from anything. And obviously you're, you're, you're seeing it show up. I mean, the kid's just so athletic and so physical. I mean, he has athletic traits just like Tonka Hemingway does where he can play inside, outside. I mean, mm-hmm. you can play him at three, you can play him in nose, you can play him in a four eye shoot, you can even kick him to the edge uh, at times if you need to. Um, I think when he's most effective when, was when he is moving and using that athleticism that he has. Um, I mean, I remember when I was helping coach the upbacks on kickoff return the last two years, like we'd have the big guys, the upbacks, you know, setting the wall, but, you know, who knows when they're going to kick a mortar or squib kick. So we had those guys getting used to having the ball in their hands. And I'm like, TJ, do you want to lose like 200, not 200, but you want to lose about 75 pounds and come play tailback for us? Like just natural <laughs> instincts with the ball in his hands, uh, great hand-eye coordination. Um, he's just a superb athlete in uh, a big boy body. Um, so I was not surprised, especially given that he was going against Javon Gwynn and Eric Douglas. Um and these guys that had shots in the NFL, and he was giving them fits Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever day we put pads on, he was out there competing. Um, and, and it's and it's coming to fruition, and it's showing. Um, super proud of that kid. And he, and he has leadership quality. Like, as a freshman, um, he had the motor, but he also, like, backed it up and was not willing to – like, if somebody was calling him out, he would call them right back out. Um, so I, I think that's stuff that you need, um, just accountability. The the level behind him, Pat, the linebacking core is remarkably, honestly, improved from what it was last year. You, you have sang the praises of Debo Williams on our program for well over a month, and, and he's the uh, second leading tackler in the SEC right now after three games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know – describe his level of play and then you know stone blanton a a guy who i think has has improved greatly i mean there's certainly still a couple of things that he needs to to work on pat but overall i mean his first year starting as a middle linebacker in this league i mean through three games i'd call it a success how how would you how would you describe his play 100 percent. i mean i think um stone is doing a good job of you know, making plays when plays are right in front of them, getting people lined up, playing smart football, playing within the play. Um, I don't think he's trying, trying to do too much. I mean, he is playing downhill. He's playing a box linebacker position, which which is what's asked of him. I mean, Debo Samuel – or not Debo Samuel. Debo Williams is flying around all over the field. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember the last two years, like, he's was he was a box linebacker. He was tackle to tackle, watch out. He's a – He's a meteor coming downhill trying to blow everything up. But now you've seen he's, he's getting a little more wiggle, a little more savviness, um, disengaging on blocks, slipping blocks, taking good angles to the football. Um, I mean, I remember talking to him last year, um, and he, he he's just a student of the game. Uh, I think he's been – he's kind of taken Clayton White's coaching to another level. He's, he's pushed himself and wanted to grow from – I remember last year we were talking about like who he likes watching in the NFL. I always like, I like making tapes for the guys to watch at the next level so they can see what these guys do in an off season. See if you can implement something that you're not really good at, that those guys are really good at and and try it in spring ball, try it in fall camp. See if you can add different weapons to your game. And he kept talking about Fred Warner. And I'm like, 
Fred Warner, dude. He's like 6'3", 210. He's like a safety plan linebacker. And Debo's like, yeah, but I love it. I love how he plays. I love how he's a headhunter. He's in the middle of the field. He always shows up. And I'm like, that's interesting. And I don't see you as that type of player, but, I mean, keep watching it. See if you can pull a few things. And what I see kind of correlation in his game is like, He's starting to understand space on ball, where the blocker is, kind of alignments. And he's athletic enough to slip or dip and get outside. Um, so he's getting really good at taking those angles that give him shots at getting to the ball carrier. And I mean, just in, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess, but he probably has five or six tackles for loss at the linebacker position this year, which has got to be way up there, um, given that you're playing five or six yards behind the sticks and you're able to get back there and cause disruption. Yeah, he's he's. Let's see here. He's already up to twenty nine total on the season, and I'd have to. I I need to pull the tackles for a loss, but I know it's up there. But I mean, he had what three alone again in the Georgia game? No, he had two. I, I mean, think it was I, just not, two. I mean, I, he had two opening week again. I mean, I, th- I want to say he had two a game, um, which is yeah. pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he, he's been a staple. Uh, the the Juice Wells injury, Pat, and we'll get to some video here in a minute and kind of let, we'll let you walk us through one of those, of course, is the, the touchdown that Juice took. Maybe got away with a little bit of a hold out there, but hey. it was a touchdown. Hey, as long uh, as it's not called, man. I used to I, – I held probably 75% of plays. Um, I only got called on about five of them. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, you know, if you know how to do it. Yeah. I mean, but but that 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 – the first catch he made um, – and then that one there, I, I'm not sure, you know, if there's anybody else on the team that that catches that ball and turns it into a touchdown like he can, and and you saw the impact he can immediately have. Uh, two mm-hmm. things: one, with the ball when, when he's got the ball in his hands; the other is when he's on the field, you got to pay attention to him. You mm-hmm. don't have any choice. Um, and now he's going to be out probably a little while. I know Shane said he'd like to see if he can get him back by the end of the year, but the foreseeable future is not going to probably have Juice Wells in it. Uh, so, you know, Omega Blake stepped in the other day and played mm-hmm. really well. They're different receivers, though, Pat. So, kind of, kind of, tell us what you see in Omega Blake and what he's kind of developing into, and what type of role he might take on now that Juice is going to be down at least for the for the future. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you lose a Juice Wells, and, and that just stinks. Um, you know, All American SEC honors going into season, the year he had last year, the competitor that he is. Um, what he does with the ball and without the ball in his hands, like he doesn't, he, he doesn't take plays off. Um, and that's why every single play, you kind of got to hold your breath from as a defensive coach uh, or player lineup against him. Um, now Omega Blake brings a different skill set to the table. I mean, Omega, I mean, this is probably a bold statement, but Omega has some of the best ball skills I had seen since at Carolina, since Alshon Jeffrey, um, like really good at going up and getting the ball, getting his body in a really good position to, I mean, kind of like some of the plays we watched with X, just getting yourself in a dominant position. I mean, Omega was doing that, I think, the very first day of practice. Like he just finds a way to get in a position to make the play, goes up and gets it, um, you know, in a different body frame, not as big as Juice, not as physical as Juice, but from a route runner technician of the game, like he kind of has the wiggle and understands how to attack leverage to make defenders move to give himself a soft spot. Um, so, I mean, yeah, two different skill sets. I mean, Dow's coached a lot of different type of players, a lot of different personalities. Um, 
So he, he's going to be like, it's not definitely not going to be a plug and play. Uh, Omega's not juice, but uh, I think Chris Loggins and staff will, will find a way. Omega's a, a, a darn good football player who we're glad to have here in Garnet and Black. So he's going to come up and make some big plays for us. I remember talking with Devontae Holloman who coached him in high school, um, you know, when he was on staff last year. And he's like, I mean, Omega can go. Like, I mean, you know, Devontae played a couple years in the NFL, played at high caliber SEC level here at South Carolina. Like, he knows it, and 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 and, and we both saw it. So Omega's going to make some good plays out there for us. Um, you know, Eddie Lewis came in and played. Um you know, I, I think the role of a Luke Doty expands. I think the role of a DK Joiner, maybe playing a little more receiver, or running back, kind of jack of all trades, that expands. Um, you know, losing your losing juice hurts, but that's why Coach Beamer's co- recruited the way he's recruited, so he can. You know, you don't miss too much. You're able to plug and play and get those guys to come play at a high level for you. You just all right. So you just went down a road. I was kind of hoping you would, um, and, and that's when yeah, we carry yeah, on. Like, tunnel vision through this uh we, we just speak to each other in the mind <laughs> yeah which by the way before i lose my train of thought I, you mentioned Devonte, and i didn't i had no idea until michael told me this weekend that logan hall was calling the plays for him out there at pinewood so that's pretty cool um no. i had no clue no, logan. yep yeah logan logan and molly are outstanding mm-hmm. of course molly is she you know wando gal you know um, you know you know I, i'm gonna screw you up your train of thought but molly introduced kirsten and i um so molly's the whole reason i'm married with four beautiful kids so, um, Molly Hall, thank you if you're listening out there. <laughs> <laughs> or I always call her Molly Stanton because that was her yeah, name. I know, Molly it's weird. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, that so congratulations to those guys and what they're doing. Pinewood got turned around real quick. Devontae's mm-hmm. man, he's sharp as a tag. He's, he's, um, he's a dude. Yep, no doubt. Uh, so, but. All right, so we talk about the running backs here, and and like, look, most people just you know. Anytime the conversation comes up, JC and I were kind of laughing about this yesterday. It's, you know, it, it goes back to all the things we we already know, you know. And, and of course, you know, we want to fire coaches and this, that, and the other. And that's all fine and dandy, but that's not going to solve any problems right now. And so um, they have it. what looks to me, Pat, and this is just my eyes, and I'm throwing it over to you to let you correct me and kind of take it from there. It seems like they have four running backs that are um that have a that are better than each other at a different skill skill set mm-hmm. and like i think personally to carry on um he is a guy who when he gets close to the end zone he can find it mm-hmm. uh i think the best just based on what, what i've seen pat we're not in practice so i don't i don't know but watching natural running backs out there Mario Anderson seems to be the most natural running back on the team. That includes just how he runs, but also the fact that he's been doing it in college for four years already. Um, the young kid, uh, DJ Braswell, uh, may, maybe the most talented, uh, but I've, you've only seen a little bit, but just a young kid, very quick. And then you've got you've got Juju, who you can kind of do a lot of different stuff with, but he's not an every down back, at least in the SEC. So. Yeah. Which, which you just mentioned a minute ago is very interesting because, you know, Juju, on Joyner, they're both guys who you can use in different roles, not just as a traditional running back. But, you know, Anderson seems like kind of your more traditional style running back. So I guess my question to you is, could you in some way, shape or form envision this offense evolving with with two or three of those guys 
on the field at the same time in different roles, allowing you to play a guy like to carry on who's good with the ball in his hands and then also play Mario Anderson because he probably deserves some more carries at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's packages. I don't think it's a 30-play, 40-play, two running back sets out there, but I definitely think that there's there's racks of plays you can get into where you have those guys and can get in the flow. Um, I, I agree. I think uh, Mario has just really good instincts and tempo. Um, you know, I, I don't see him taking 175 yards to the house. Um, you know, I think Braswell does have that skill set and that top-end speed. Um I mean, I think Juju's a heck of a football player. He's a little undersized, but I, I mean, whenever we've called his number, he's answered the he's answered the call. Um, so, I mean, I think you got bodies. I just think um, the running back position. It's a lot about getting in a feel and kind of getting confidence. And you know, they they haven't had that yet. They haven't had a drive where they've been able to just shove it down somebody's throat and like. You know, I used to, when we were playing, we would get late in end of third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter, and we're up two scores. Like, I'm running up to Devontae Freeman or Tevin Coleman or LaShawn McCoy or whoever the primary back was that I was blocking for, and I'd smack him on the shoulders and I'd be like, hey, let's ride. This game's on your shoulders. Let's go. Take this thing over. Um, and I, we, we just haven't had anybody we, – we haven't had the chance to let those guys answer the call yet. Um but, but I think Juju, Mario, DK, I mean, I think we have the talent in that room. I just think you might have to get a little more creative and let those guys get five, six plays, get confidence, sustain drives, um, so they can really get in that feel. Devontae used to get frustrated. I mean, we shared two backs. Tevin Coleman was a stud. Devontae Freeman was a stud. But they both wanted a 12-play drive. Um, and, you know, it's tough. Like, Devontae get three plays three plays, he gained 26 yards and he'd come out to get a blow. And he's like, no, 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 keep me in here. Keep me in here. Um, <laughs> but to keep fresh legs. But I mean, that's just that competitor mindset. And, and, and I think all three, all four of those guys are so competitive that whatever we asked of them, they're going to do, they're going to do whatever it takes to help the Gamecocks win. So whether that's Juju playing F receiver, if that's DK playing F receiver, if that's, having two in the backfield, if that's, you know, DK taking a dive back at fullback, like those guys are, are, are Gamecocks and they're going to compete and do whatever it's asked of them. Um, so, I mean, there probably is some creative stuff that you might see with the juice wells down to get your best players on the field. Um, but um, I mean, I definitely think there is more in that room though. Um, I mean, I think we're averaging just under two yards of carry over the course of the season. And um, that ain't going to cut it in big time SEC play. So uh, that room does have to, bring some more weight. And that's not just on that position. Uh, you know, there's 11 guys on the field that make those runs pop. So that's everybody playing their tail off um, every single play. Cause who knows that one play that might catch the corner and take it to the house and really differentiate the game. Pat, we've got some video we want to get to here. Four plays from the weekend in the Georgia game um, and some good and certainly some bad. We'll start off here. The first play, uh, that we're going to get you to kind of diagnose for us is the touchdown pass from Spencer Rattler to Juice Wells in the first quarter. And and I mentioned it just a minute ago. Juice, of course, kind of re-injures his foot. Not same injury necessarily, but maybe caused by the old injury. Uh, but um, but he scores here. So walk us through what you saw in this play and um, and giving South Carolina that 7 nothing lead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it takes a little choppy. 
uh, looking at it. But what you see, it's like, you know, you have kind of a double screen. You have a bubble screen coming to DK where you kind of, it's more eye candy than anything, um, but you're just trying to get flow of backs and take their attention off the, uh, off the boundary side. So, yeah, I mean, Trey Knox is the first one out there, and his job is, hey, I have widest or MDM. Um, and he kind of gets caught in between, but, but he holds up the first guy, and he's able to get up the corner. And then big number 77, his his job is to go out and trap the number. So he's running flat down the line of scrimmage, and whatever shows up, go kick it out right, right at the numbers. And sure enough, he does that. Vershawn comes out, and his job is MDM at the point of attack. If it's clean, I'm working the alley. And you see him peek outside. You know, they're relatively clean out there. There's two for two. So he works up to the safety. Um, but then, I mean, like Juice's job is to press that outside guy. Those guys keep contained and then get inside. Uh, and then he's just reading um, the alley defender. So that's Vershawn's block. And, I mean, the rest is it. I mean, you really don't like cutting that ball all the, back, all the way back across field because uh, there's an NFL game. I think it was last, yesterday afternoon where kind of the receiver cut back, and I think it was Nick Chubb came back trailing. And, you know, we, we used to call them, we called them the Sharks, retracing and making plays. So, I mean, when you start cutting across, dead back across the grain, you got 320-pound jokers that are trying to kill you um, in trail mode. Um, but, you know, Juice is able to outrun them, and then you have Doty come in there and clean up clean up the block and seal it for, for a big touchdown there. But, I mean – we, it was a, what about a six minute drive, ten plays, firing all cylinders. That's just a confidence drive, and that's something that, like, when the Gamecocks get rolling, if we have two or three successful plays, it generally ends up in seven. Um, so far, with Dow calling the plays, so kind of slowly continue to build that confidence up. But um, I mean, that's like that. That's that's going to be missed, right? Juice making that big play. It was similar to the play against Kentucky last year. We cut the bowl screen. He went in. Saw color inside and he got back out and he ran away from everybody and scored and sealed that game. So, um, you know, that's a play that, uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's a great play call there in the high red um, and, and Juice made a big play for us. TJ Sanders had a great game this weekend as well. A couple of plays here, really actually early in the game, not long after Juice scored, but you, you see TJ bust through and make a big play. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because I think it was in, I mean, in spring ball, he played five technique. He was playing like boundary defensive end. And here you see him lined up. He's playing shade. Um, so it just goes to his versatility uh, and what he can do. And I know talking with Travian, this was even from last year after we after we play or two years ago when he was at Georgia State, I would ask him like, hey, man, your defensive line's undersized. Like how does – like, you know, how do you get them playing at such a high level playing against them? I mean, they – I think they, they should have beat Auburn. They should have beat um, UNC. Like, how do you get these guys that are undersized playing at such a high level? And it's because of movement. And that's stuff that, you know, when I was at Carolina with Brad Long, that's stuff that Coach Long did. He's like, I don't want my guys stationary, man. We have – I mean, these defensive tackles are some of the best athletes compared to the big lugs up front on the offensive line. Let's make those big guys move. Um so you just see, I mean, TJ's really good when he's moving around, using his hands here on the sack. I mean, he makes his first move, tries to counter, gets stuck. And then when you get stuck, it's, hey, push the pocket, run my guy into the quarterback. And Stone comes in there and kind of makes the quarterback flee, and TJ gets his hands on him. So, um, I mean, TJ's a stud. Um, he's a, he's about all the right stuff. He's competitive. He's a South Carolina boy, went to Marion, or yeah. from Marion. So, um, 
you know, I'm glad to see him playing at a high level, but, you know, I goes back to talking about, about Brad Long, you know, former Gamecock coach, rest in peace coach, but um, just what he meant to Travian Robertson and what he meant to this program. And a lot of guys that played for him um, that just goes to show his legacy living on. And that's, um, I mean, Travy did a great job speaking at, um, at his funeral. Um, and you could just tell how much coach Long meant to him. And, and, and here you go. Like you're seeing a lot of traits of Brad Long's defensive line showing up, um, on the biggest stage against Georgia. Yeah, that's a standing point, uh, by the way. And, uh, and, and you hope that you got plenty of Brad Long influence around here for a long time. Yeah. Up front with these defensive linemen with Travian, I, I have no doubt that'll be the case as you just described. To open the second half here, uh, it was a struggle. Georgia comes down the field and scores. Uh, Carolina needed a response if they could get one. Uh, you get the kickoff, Leggett brings it out. Uh, you get some penalties and stuff. So what happens here, Pat? Um, Rattler immediately gets pressured, has nowhere to go. Yeah, I mean this is an interesting play right here. Um, I mean I'd love to see kind of more of the concepts. Um, up top, I and mean, you guys got to get the back end. I was that was my baby when I used to watch tape was the back end. Um, but here you have, I mean, you're in a, a run action seven or eight man pro. Looks like both tight end. I guess Trey Knox is free releasing, so you're in a seven man pro. Josh Simon on the backside, but you got run action, and they're they rush four. Um, yeah, you see six bodies right there, but Josh Simon stays in. Um, number third or number go back, um, Phil. See if you can yeah. rewind that. 32 is, is he has Josh Simon man to man. Um, you know, they bring the Mike linebacker, but 13, the left side, right side defensive end, he's dropping down. He has DK man to man. Um, and then number three, the backside corner, he's kind of a lurk rat player. Um, so yeah, you see six Georgia defenders, but Josh Simon stays in pass protects. So 32 kind of sits there, hangs out and adds or, or, or make sure Josh doesn't leak out late, but, Number thirteen, the backside defensive end has DK, um, and they're running looks like a looks like a one back power action, and Nick Gargiulio goes and pulls for the widest rusher, who's the looks like a nickel or the or backer blitzing off the edge, and he gets edged, so DK kind of has to abort his interior fake and help out out wide on the defensive on the on the widest rusher, and number thirteen, who has DK man to man in coverage, he adds. I mean that's. Man coverage one on one for linebackers or defensive ends. Those guys don't want to cover running backs one on one in man coverage. I would put a lot of money against a hand in the ground defensive end man to man coverage. So those guys are told if my if my guy blocks or he's slow getting out, I'm going to add and make him protect me. I don't want to cover him. I want him to have to block me. Um, so DK has to help on the widest defensive end. Thirteen triggers and adds, and he kind of gets in Spencer's face. So. Um, you know, that stinks because, the, the, I mean, given what Spencer's done with the ball in his hands when he's able to create with his feet, with his arm, um, you know, they rush four. I know it looks like six, but they're really only rushing four. It's kind of a simulator. It's a simulated pressure. So they're bringing people, but they're dropping people too. Um, and, you know, that, that was stuff that we struggled with last year um, was a lot of four-man rush but simulator. So you're simulating you're simulating a blitz, but you're only bringing four. Um and you kind of, you know, you just have one or two linemen kind of standing there like, hey, my guy dropped, where am I going, am I in, am I out? Um, so that just gave us fits, and it was unfortunate, um, you know, being backed up there, um, third and 15 at your own five or six-yard line, not not very good things happen in those cases, but 
Um, you know, that's something they're going to have to coach because I would imagine giving it, we struggled with it last year and then Georgia showed it on tape too. It's going to be something we're going to see a little more often. So I'm sure Lonnie and Coach Ad and Dow and Coach Beamer and all those guys are going to start finding ways to to clean that stuff up because if DK releases to the line of scrimmage, if if Nick doesn't get edged, um, with, at the way Spencer's playing, man, he's going to find a way to make a play there if, if there's not a rush right in his face. Speaking of Spencer, this is his first interception, and this is towards the end of the game when the, the Georgia was kind of just releasing the hounds. Uh, yeah. Just go get him. You know, Coach Muschamp pretty much turned him loose. Gets on his back foot here. What do you see out of him that could maybe be cleaned up on his end? As great as he's been, he, he does drift a little bit on these last couple of picks. Yeah, it's – um. I mean, the situation, it's, uh, it's third and 20, four minutes yep. to go. Uh, yep. Not ideal. Rushing four. Um, so, so he's, he's sitting there and he's like, he's thinking, I got to make a play. I got to make a play. Um, so he probably stressed him a little bit here, probably trying to do a little too much. Um, but, uh, I wouldn't rather have the ball in anybody else's hands besides number seven. Um, so, I mean, just like coach Beamer and Dow, they had full faith in him. You know, this is a, a, a simple four man rush, a little TT game inside. We have three for two. So 55, 53, 69 have those two interior rushers, and they're just late to pass it off, and the communication isn't great. Um, and pressure in his face, yeah, he's drifting, um, throws the ball off his back foot. I'm not, it looks like a post-wheel concept, you know, number one. So I think it's Omega's running a post to clear out the safety, and then Eddie's running a wheel out the backside trying to get a little rub. Um, and I don't know, I, like I said, we couldn't see it from the back end, so you don't know. I mean, I think number was it number thirteen or seventeen? The safety is the one who made the made the interception. I don't know if Omega didn't yeah. wasn't able to carry him and cover his eyes. I mean, one on one real route, Eddie Lewis against the nickel. It's that's not a bad not a bad pass. Um, but the safety was able to get over the top there and make a play on the ball. So, um, you know, it's just you know, it's one of those. If you're not in third and twenty, you take four or five yards and you play you play fourth and four, fourth and five, third and twenty. Uh, kind of a little more pressure, a little more antsy. I got to make a play. I got to make this right now. Spencer's the best player on the field. Um, so he's trying to make a play, and unfortunately, Georgia makes a good play. Yeah, it's, you know, I guess if there's anything at all that can be in some way, shape, or form criticized with Spencer, it's things that they have actually talked about publicly before is that, you know, sometimes you, you probably just need to hang in there and, and try to step in and make – because, Pat, if you could describe it real quick, we'll let you run – I'm not picking on Spencer Rattler, by the way, just so everybody understands this. I don't know if there anybody out there is a bigger fan than of him than I am. But when you're a quarterback, if you're drifting and you're you've got wide receivers trying to get open, third and twenty, whatever it may be. Obviously, if you're drifting, there's a, there's a, some type of chaotic play going on here. You really generally are only leaving receivers one or two things that they can do to kind of help you. But if you're able to find a way to step into it, guys can come back. They can take off downfield. They can stay on their routes. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff that can happen if you're not just kind of fading off and trying to get rid of the football. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he, I think he was more trying to force it than um, – I mean, Spencer's arm talent is, is probably unlike most college football players. Uh, that's why every NFL scout's come in the building and – and asked everybody about him um, because he has such an elite arm talent. But, yeah, I mean, when you can't drive off your back foot um, and really rip it, but, I mean, pressure in your face, he is kind of drifting away, like, third and 20, like, 
I mean, what, what would every fan say if he completed a three yard pass there and it's fourth and seven? Right. Exactly. Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's very easy to speak out of both sides of your mouth and like with a clicker in your hand, like, man, you should have done this. Well, yeah, I had a 295 pounder about to smash my face in yeah, um, for the last two quarters. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd love another shot at converting down for, on fourth down. Um, but I think Spencer was trying to make a play. I think that goes into the trust he has in his playmakers to go up and try to make that play, right? Um, unfortunately, that safety was able to get there before Eddie was able to kind of put the brakes on and go attack the football. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, we got uh, Mississippi State this week, 7.30 game. They're coming into a hostile against Bryce Stadium. Um, you know, barring no weather delays, um, Gamecock Park and and the Gamecock Walk is going to be probably as wild as as it's ever been. Um, so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody comes and, and shows out and shows up. It's 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 going to be a fun game to watch, and I'll be there with uh, with my son Weston, my daughter Sutton, and my wife Kirsten. So we'll be in the stands cheering on the Gamecocks, as I know a lot of a lot of listeners will be. Yeah, it's a Mississippi State team that, as JC pointed out earlier, really they they they're they're pretty good on the ground and they've slowed the run down this season, but they have not stopped anybody from throwing the football. So Spencer Rattler is probably really licking his chops to get in there and and do what he's been doing through twelve quarters, which is slinging around and make things happen. Carolina mm-hmm. trying to get to two and two. Can't imagine anybody better to do all this with us than our buddy Pat DeMarco uh, here on Mondays. Next Monday, hopefully, we we got some stuff to go over pertaining to their first conference win of the season. Yep. That's uh, you know, you, you gotta play good in the SEC, right? That's what's what gives you a chance. Beating the um beating the Farmans in these games, those are those are a must in this league. You have to go in there and you have to win the win the tough ones. And and some of those are, you know, as the first two thirds of our schedule is, a lot of those games are on the road. So um, you know, we have to start playing some good football here, as Coach Beamer said last week, it has to happen really fast um, and urgently. So, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to a bounce back game for the Gamecocks. I, even though I thought we played a really good two and a half quarters against the number one team in the country, um, yep. we I think we, we we showed the world that they are not that, that they are human. Um, that they're not they're not Georgia of the past. Where they're beating everybody by 40, 50 points. Um, so uh, I would imagine everybody at about five o'clock when halftime rang, they saw the good guys up 14, three, they were kind of like, shoot, Carolina means business. Um, and that gives you that there's no moral victories in that. Um, we're still one and two, we're not two and one, but um, it was encouraging to see how hard our guys played um, and, and leveled up. Fantastic, man. Look forward to talking to you. I'll, I'm, I'll talk to you long before next Monday. I'll probably talk to you later on today. But uh, thanks for everything you do. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Go Gamecocks. There you go. The great Pat DeMarco. Over 10 years in the NFL and four at South Carolina. And we are happy to have him here on our programming on Monday. Uh, quick note before we hit a timeout. SEC Football Player of the Week awards are out. Co-defensive lineman T.J. Sanders from South Carolina. Add that to his resume after his outstanding performance in Athens on Saturday. Hang tight. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston and built by the Barn Dominium Co. inside the Gamecocks. We'll be right back. Down here in the south, 
we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Hey everybody, this is Mo Coppa from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. 
It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Writers strike. If you had a show that aired on Monday nights on ABC, you might never have a show on Monday night on ABC again in the fall because they're going to be airing <laughs> Monday night football in conjunction with ESPN. And I think uh, maybe maybe the network will realize that their ratings are a lot better with Monday night football and that the advertisers paying a lot more money. Well, I was was wondering what the heck was going on with two Monday night football games today. I'm like, mm, I mean, I don't know. Well, I I don't think they're going to do that every week. This just happens to be one of those weeks where they but don't they have an early game and a late game. Well, they're only an hour apart. That's what I thought was odd. They're competing against each other. Like one starts oh, at yeah. seven tonight. Yeah, it starts at like eight eight three. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know what? Uh, hey, look, they might be on to something here, man. You know, the writers, they want their money, so they, uh, they're going to – whatever. JC doesn't care just so long as he doesn't have to watch Chicago play. <laughs> Dear God. Dear God. Thanks to Pat. Yeah, they got the Chiefs next week. Yeah, what a great segment that is. I always say something because the chat box, Big Spur, Center, there's a lot of like, you know, I hate it when people make issues out of things that aren't issues when there's issues. You guys know what I'm saying? Nick Harbor not playing is not the biggest. It's a nothing burger. Okay. And he's playing. He played nine snaps. I was surprised he played nine snaps. Uh, I was and and let, let, let me tell you why. Okay. He's learning a new position. He's not just a freshman. Somebody's like, well, you play freshman all the time. Blah, blah, blah. Big tree play. Big Tree's been playing offensive tackle for four years, right? <laughs> uh, you know, in high school. Okay, so 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 let's just uh, let's let's just tell you like it is, okay? And, and 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 you guys are forgetting another big part of it. He didn't get here in the spring. He got here in the summer. He was running track in the spring. 
So unlike some of these other guys, he didn't have uh, even the full summer. He didn't get here until July. He didn't even have summer one. All right, so there's that. All right, the other part of it is he missed two and a half weeks of preseason practice with an injured shoulder. So all those valuable reps are out the door. So he's really behind, folks. Um, you know, we'll just draw up a play for him. Why? So he can, you know, everybody's like, draw up a slant. Oh, sure. Against, against that bunch, so he can get his head taken completely off. You, you want to be decapitated? Let's run an inexperienced uh, or, or Even worse, he gets those big old long arms up and, and he gets hit and the ball goes straight up in the air and uh, Lassiter picks it off for a pick six. I mean, look, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not all about coaching. She's scared. I, I think there's no excuse uh, for DJ Braswell not being on the field. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get that at all in the situation you're in at running back. But the they don't need. I mean, the, the receiver situation is, uh, you know, is not something that's like urgent, and the kid is playing. So, and Joel says now do Landon Sampson. Joel Landon Sampson didn't get nine snaps his third year in last year. He redshirted the whole year. So, I mean, that's that's not even a that's not you know that, that drives me crazy. That stuff. It's just like you know. Uh, that's well, I mean, not even, you can only play re- so not many. even relevant to the conversation. You know, I don't. I've and, never and, understood all this. You can only play so many people. You know, you can only play eleven at a yeah. time, right? And there's only yeah, three, they, maybe four wide receivers at play. And people see Nick and they see his size and they see his freakish athletic ability. And you're like, yeah, and yeah, he is touchdown. He's a touchdown waiting to happen. And look, but, but, but you don't understand either. You know, a guy like that that's learning a new position that's uh, early in college, that's an elite athlete, that has missed time, that hasn't been here very long to begin with. And, and and he hadn't been here but for a couple of weeks, and then has missed half the time he's supposed to be developing. For him to get on the field for nine plays against Georgia is damn good, right? It's damn good. Okay, I mean he's getting there, but but it's not some stupid coach malpractice thing, like some people are thinking that he didn't get the ball on, on Saturday. I mean you you have to use common sense at some point about some of these guys, you know, and, and look, Hey, had he been a five-star whatever and played the position his whole career and then he's not playing, I mean, yeah, they need to get him ready, you know, but, uh, you know, I I think nine snaps was great. (laughs) I mean, for him, I mean, I I think with where he's at and had he not missed all that time, you know, maybe I make it, maybe you make a good argument for it, but dude, I mean, let's, let's like, Let's like talk about problems that are actually problems. You know, don't, don't make stuff up or, or don't, I mean, just, or, I'm sorry. Think about it. Think about it. Come on. Think about it, guys. We're talking about this practice, guy, man. Yeah, this guy's barely practiced and, and he's playing nine snaps or as it is. That's, that's pretty good in the old progress o meter. Yeah, uh, and I, 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 right. there's like five or six people in the chat box that swear to God. That uh, he should have been placed like bad that he hadn't played, blah, 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 blah. So uh, I just don't get it. Now, hey, let, let's talk about who should be playing. Let's talk about Mario Anderson, you know, <laughs> that guy. 
Uh, I, I, Tyshawn Russell made a case for playing more. If you want to talk about a receiver, I, I just you know, I get it. I, I get those five stars, make everybody go crazy. And I think Nick Harper's going to be a hell of a player sooner rather than later. But but you, you have to understand that this is And look, I don't want to hear anything else about Luke Doty either. Jay is that's ridiculous. Luke Doty played his ass off, uh, helped them win, helps them make helps them make plays. He's not out there like he doesn't belong. And if you look at the snap counts, he played twenty snaps compared to Eddie Lewis's thirty-five. All right, so he started, you know, and Luke Doty's made plays. Why? 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 Are, why are we inventing problems? Why, 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 why? There's plenty of problems. Why are we invented? Because you don't like Luke Doty? That's your personal preference? That's fine. But there's no evidence that says he's not doing a really good job at slot receiver. He's catching the ball. He's going fast. He's not dropping it. And he played half the time. So where's your gripe? Eddie Lewis was in there 35 snaps compared to Doty's 20. So what, what's the problem? You know, I mean, let, let, let's talk about real problems here. All right. Seven catches for 91 yards in your games for Luke Doty. By the way, yeah. just announced. Do what? And a touchdown. Yeah, and a touchdown. Yeah, and a touchdown. I think hey, he's more – honestly, I think he's more clutch than Amari Brown. Clutch. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm not at practice every week, but, you know. No, we'll, we'll, yeah. again, we'll see, we'll see, you know. Um, Colorado and Southern Cal on September 30th is the big noon game on Fox. Is that in Boulder? That's in Boulder, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Either either way, you know what that means, right? That means that, that means that they're kicking the game off at 9 a.m. Oh, 9 a.m. That's a 9 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, I was just sitting here doing the times. Wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, Boulder's in Mountain Time, guys. Uh, I think Boulder Denver's is Denver's Mountain Time. Denver is Mountain Time. So, uh, so it's it, it's so the rock. It, it, it is Mountain Time. Come on, that John Denver's full of shit, man. Come on. <laughs> no, <laughs> it still, says. JB is the oh Rockies. no for the uh, for the Trojans. Yeah, you're right. So uh, so yeah, so it's nine a.m. L.A. time. Nine a.m. So they host, but yeah, so they'll 10. play. They play at Oregon at twelve thirty this week. The Buffaloes do, and then they play at ten a.m. the following week versus Southern Cal. Like that kind of sucks when you've got two top ten matchups coming up, and both of them are <laughs> ten a.m. Twelve thirty. Brett Keggs. JD is saying we need playmakers. Man, hush. Just stop. I mean, uh, playmakers at wide receiver is the least least of the problems right now. And Eddie Lewis is a transfer bust. Yeah, okay. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah, After yeah. three games, you're going to come up. The, yeah, these guys, too. I mean, I'm sick of people beating up on players, too. I mean, you can be critical without saying ridiculousness. Oh, oh it's transfer bust. Three games in, really? He caught six the passes against Furman. For this team is crazy. You've you've lost two games to 6-0 and oh is the record of these two teams. 
North Carolina has a legitimate shot to win the ACC for what that's worth. <laughs> and you just yeah. played the number one team in the country. So it's a, it's what if good... Carolina rolls off, I don't know, you know, eight more wins in a row or wins out? Yeah, you know, I mean, that, which is well within the range of outcomes because we saw how everyone played. Mississippi State didn't look good. Tennessee damn sure didn't look good. Clemson's got flaws. Who are you scared of, like, legitimately? With the, Nobody. With, the, with the legitimate quarterback? But, probably shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, there's – But they all could, all could also be careful, except Jacksonville State yeah. and Vandy. I mean, yeah. You but, could yeah. All, you could lose them all, but it wouldn't surprise yeah. me, you know. I mean, hell. I, I think there's just too many people throwing their hands up after what <laughs> – after three games this year. I mean, my God. I, well, I just don't like the individual play thing. I mean, they <laughs> didn't have any catches after the first series. So what the hell does that mean? I mean, there's a lot of players that, that you know, yeah. um, you know. I mean, Eddie Ed Lewis had one catch, but it was for 23 yards in a critical situation. A nice little catch stayed in bounds. Uh, I just don't. I mean, I, I just you, you don't you evaluate guys on more than that, you know. And look, if I were you know Johnny Sunshine Pumper and sitting here talking about how everybody's playing great and all y'all are crazy, uh, that'd be one thing. But uh, I've told you he's not playing well. I told you the personnel design, and I'm not saying I'm completely right. Maybe you guys disagree, and that's fine. But pulling things out of thin air based on things like recruiting rankings and hype drives me up a wall, <laughs> up a wall, because too many fans at too many schools do it, and you guys are better than that. You're my people, so I get mad at you, or I get mad for you, or mad about the situation. You're my folks. I want you to be better. Be better. Be better. Life ain't no sunshine and rainbows. And you're better than that. That ain't you. Phil, did you ever add up your picks from Friday? Oh, what was your record? We're going to talk about this. Yeah, well, I went 10 and 3. <laughs> Anthony Wright texted me late Saturday night to inform me he was 9 and 3. And I said, shoot, let me look Love at it. Anthony. And I looked at it. I, I texted him back. And I said, all right, well, I'm nine and three, and if Colorado wins, I'm ten and three, of course. So Anthony and I both went ten and three. So, well, well, did y'all catch my record? No, uh, I know, I know that's not the what was it the the Fab Five or whatever with Mike. We got to go over tomorrow. Oh, I, I I did okay in the Fab Five. I got three. Though. I, think, I think I think Mike was undefeated this week, but he I was not tell you about that. Five, that's what he six. he made sure to tell us that on our conference call this morning. Five and zero. Well, he, he sent me a, a text about ten o'clock, and he was like, "Close to five and up. And I'm like, "I thought he was talking about me." And I was like, "Yes, because they got a big brain." Yeah, yeah. And then, and then he goes, "Then well, I start thinking about it." I'm like, "Well, wait a minute. I, I lost two games earlier, if I remember correctly." What <laughs> what games did you? What games did y'all? I picked Tennessee. I picked Arkansas, and I picked. I went ten two. and three. You did? Yeah, son of a. Yeah, I, I, right up there with A one. All right, I feel good. You can't. <laughs> hey, you can't. JC, one, two, you've got, you, you've got JCs. Four, five. Yeah, I lost the. I'd say the ones that I probably picked different from everybody. I got West Virginia right. I think y'all y'all were all on the pit train, weren't you? No, no Phil, I went West Virginia, West Virginia there too. Hey, we all uh, JC went ten and three. Well, so we all went ten and three. Let's see. One, oh, two, man. three. This is great radio. Four. Five, I took six. Missouri. I know Anthony took Kansas State. 
That's okay. I think that's a did that take case day. We all went ten and three, dude. I I went back and forth on the actual gambling because like okay, so there's no no online betting in South Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm in I'm in Columbia right now. In case you guys didn't notice, by the way, Chamber of Commerce Day in Town, seventy six, low humidity, oh, wait. slight breeze. Uh, so I had to call in my bets to Nat, and I went back and forth, and my gut said Missouri was going to win, but I was like. Man, that daggum Kansas State's lost me money before. And I went with K-State like a moron. I'm sitting there thinking it's going to go to overtime. K-State to cover. And then uh, whatever, the round mound of kicking at a 61-yard field goal. What I'm try, I'm confused. What did it was? Those were the differentiating games for Kansas State, Missouri, the BYU, Arkansas, and Syracuse, Purdue. Those are the ones that really kind of switched the – Kind of, hey, we went back. And I, told, I told y'all last week, y'all laughed at me. You both owe me an apology. I told you that Florida State game was going to be closer than everybody thought it would. You owe me an apology, both of you. You mad dog, you too, Schubert. What are you I talking about? Every time they go up, their game's close. Thank you. I accept gladly. I wasn't laughing, uh, because my buddy coaches at Florida State and. I think a lot of Gamecock fans were like, oh, my God, uh, Florida State's going to lose to Clemson, which they could. By the way, Saturday night, there's some serious games on, in yeah. addition to South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. That may be a lot JC. of uh, this weekend. <laughs> JC may be staying in the condo and not going into the game Saturday night. <laughs> he may, I don't have a ticket anyway, so I may just uh, – Go for the festivities. <laughs> well, if you are going to the game on Saturday night, you need to make sure you're well dressed. Could be rain again this weekend. All of that is available at GamecockTraditions.com or go into the store in West Columbia. They've got the widest selection of Gamecock gear in the entire state of South Carolina. Yep. There's nobody that does it better. And they'll ship it to your doorstep. So really appreciate Scott Satterfield and Kevin Lucas and everybody over there for what they do for the University of South Carolina's fan base and providing us with some outstanding stuff to wear and use and have fun with. Jay Diz, uh, don't comment in the chat box anymore. Just please. You're giving, let's keep running three quarterbacks out on offense. What the hell are you even talking about? What is Jordan's three former oh. quarterback. I mean, all right, so you, Xavier Legate was a Xavier Legate was a high school quarterback. You don't. You, I mean. By the way, breaking news here: South Carolina and Tennessee will kick off at seven thirty on the SEC Network. Well, you knew that was going to happen. Yeah, I saw that. Well, that's awesome because we we got a cookout going at the Lake House on that Saturday, Phil. So that's <laughs> a, I was hoping for a night game. I was hoping this, for a day game. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wanted to kick off on that one. <laughs> please, 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 please learn something about Carolina's offensive personnel before you comment. I mean that that's the that's another nothing burger. Some idiots are out there on Twitter talking about why are they playing these three quarterbacks? That's inexcusable. It's nothing to do with that. Player's either good or he's not. It doesn't matter what position you used to used to play. Used to play. I used to be a defensive end. I used to be a high school sports writer. Not anymore. Right? No <laughs> matter what the hell you used to be. So what you are now, how good are you? And, and, and what, 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 are, 
One of the former quarterbacks is doing just fine. Uh, David, his stats and performance, and if you know whatever you're looking at when you look at a football player, you know he's doing just fine. And then the other guy, yeah, maybe need to change of pace back out there in addition to him. But it's not like he's terrible, especially in the red zone. I was going to so, say, yeah, for all his faults in the red zone, he finds the damn end zone, doesn't he? All right, let's get out of here. <laughs> we'll see you all tomorrow at 11 on Inside shut, the Game. Yeah, just shut your hole. God.